It's time now for another edition of Roarman's Raging Softball Report, everything Louisiana softball. Now, here's your host, loving Louisiana softball since 1981, it's the Roar Man. Hello and welcome to another edition of Roar Man's Raging College Softball Report podcast. I am the Roar Man. Thanks for tuning in. I really do appreciate it. I have a very exciting podcast queued up and ready for you to listen to as the 2022 Raging Cajun softball schedule is out. There's a lot to talk about, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to break down the schedule into two parts, non-conference games and conference games. The first podcast, which you're listening to now, covers the non-conference schedule. Part two will cover the conference schedule. Before I go any further, I'd like to ask you to please take the time to subscribe to this podcast and help spread the word by telling a friend. Now let's get started. The Cajuns will play 55 regular season games in 2022. They will face 29 different opponents. Now to do this podcast to the best of my ability, I decided I needed some help because doing all of the research and learning about some of these teams I know absolutely nothing about would be a little overwhelming. So I asked someone I know who was quite well-versed in the national softball scene to join me and he agreed to do so. So welcome to the podcast, a longtime Raging Cajun softball fan. His name is Terrell. Terrell, thanks for joining me. I really do appreciate it. Thanks for inviting me. I'm glad to be here. Okay, so listen, I mentioned there are 55 games on the schedule. You know what? I think there are actually 56, but whatever the number is, it's a lot. And there are a lot of teams to go over. And let me tell you this, we will go into detail about some of the teams and some we will just gloss over. So let's have a look at the non-conference games. And I'm going to start with the three Power Five schools that will be coming to Lampson Park. Those teams are LSU, Alabama, and Texas. So let's start with the team that's just 60 miles down I-10, the LSU Tigers. The Tigers will be at Lampson Park on Thursday, March the 3rd, and the Cajuns will travel to Baton Rouge two days later, Saturday, March the 5th. Now, last year, LSU finished the season 35-22, and 22, and they went 13-11 and 11 in the SEC. So, LSU, I really think there are a lot of question marks as to who is going to start where. Gone are Aaliyah Andrews, Amanda Doyle, and pitcher Mary Beth Gorsuch. Now, this year, LSU's number one pitcher, Allie Kilponen, you know, she's kind of a formidable force in the circle. And shortstop Taylor Pleasance is a huge threat every time she's at the plate. To be honest with you, other than those two players and maybe Sierra Briggs in the outfield, there are question marks at every other position. I mean, who's going to take over at third? Is Taylor Tidwell, who plays second base and hit 154 last year, the right player for that position and his catcher Morgan Cummings who hit 186 last year and who had a lot of pass balls is she going to remain as a starting catcher and does LSU have a leadoff hitter who can do anything close to what Aaliyah Andrews did remember uh coach uh 
Beth Tarina, she had the Andrews sisters on her team for nine years leading off, and she will have to find somebody new this year. Also, can pitchers Sun Siri and Wickersham improve in the circle? They didn't have the greatest of years last year. And are players in the highly touted freshman class going to be able to compete on the college level as they hope? It's definitely a rebuilding year for the Tigers. You know, they lost 22 games last year with those three players. This year, they don't have them. And to be honest, this year, I can kind of see them losing maybe 20 games again and maybe finishing right at or below 500 in the SEC. Terrell, you know, like, what are your thoughts on the Tigers? Am I in the ballpark or what do you think? Well, Beth has been doing this for quite a while and she's a pitcher by trade. That's what she did as a player. And so she's always going to make sure she's got pitchers and, and she does. So uh, having uh, Wickersham and Sonseri to back up Hill Bowman, uh, I think they have a solid staff. Uh, the defense is going to be uh, always there. They always seem to be there. But now with, with these other players gone, Taylor Pleasance uh, has been touted as a first-team All-American talent. Well, right. now, now she's got to show that she's got the ability to be that. Uh, and, and I think she'll rise to the occasion. Uh, she was second team last year. Uh, she more than likely will be first team this year, but she's got to show it on the field. Uh, a, a program like LSU, they they do not rebuild. They reload. And that brings in the types of players that fit her system. So while I don't know who the players are going to be that she's going to fit in, what she recruits fits to her program. And while I'm not sure that she's going to lose quite that many games, she had the number one schedule in the nation last year, by far. Uh, she doesn't this year. Uh, it's not soft, but it's not as stringent as it was last year. So it'll be interesting to see. But I think LSU remains pretty solid based upon their history. Yeah, I, yeah, that, that was a good point you made. They did have the toughest schedule in the country last year. So that probably will make a difference. But listen, if you're a Cajun fan, if you were not at the uh, LSU game a couple of years ago uh, when they were here and it was a full stadium, you need to get your tickets because it's going to be a lot of fun. I can actually see the Cajuns. You know, there are so many questions on the Cajuns team as well. I mean, there's so many, there's 17 new players. So we're just going to have to see how it all shakes out. But I do think the Cajuns We'll win the game in Lafayette. I'm not sure. I'm not so sure about in Baton Rouge. So I think maybe they go one and one this year. They split the series. That's likely. Uh, part of the thing that we have to look at is the fact that the Cajuns did play five games against LSU last year. You have several components on this Cajun team this year that faced all three of those pitchers last year. So they know what to expect. Uh, they have an idea of what they're going to be facing. And they will have an opportunity to see what they can do against those pitchers because they played them last year. They won't be a surprise to them. They'll have an idea what they're going to be going up against. Well, cool so, deal. So LSU, mark it down on your calendar. Hope to see you out at uh, Lamson Park for that. I'll be going to Baton Rouge as well. So let's move on to Alabama. Alabama will be in Lafayette to take on the Cajuns in Lamson Park on Thursday, February 24th. That game is scheduled for six o'clock. They will then play the Cajuns on Saturday, February 26th at the Youngsville Sports Complex as part of the Mardi Gras Mambo Tournament. That first pitch is scheduled for five o'clock. And Terrell, I want you to tell me a little bit more about that tournament. 
Uh, I know it's being hosted by Southeastern. Uh, well, actually, we can kind of talk about the tournament a little bit later on. But my question is, there's not a lot of people that are going to be able to attend that because the facility just doesn't hold 2,000 people. So how do you get a ticket? Is, is there any I clue or idea right now? Well, if Southeastern is the one that is hosting it and there are X number of teams that are going to be coming, uh, the majority of the teams are coming from quite a distance. So I don't know how well, uh, I, I'm just not sure how well a lot of these teams are going to travel, how many fans they're going to be bringing. Uh, so the question is, how do you get your tickets? Obviously, the first thing to do is to call Southeastern <laughs> and let them know, hey, I want, I want games to that tournament. What do I have to do? And they should be able to tell you. Uh, as far as how many people are going to be able to watch that particular game on that field, um, yeah, that's that's going to be a big question mark. They, they've got a, they got a task ahead of them for that. Okay, so let's uh, thank you for that. Let's move on with Alabama. You know, Alabama, of course, they made it to the World Series last year. They kind of had a senior-laden team. And... In my opinion, for Alabama, at this point, this coming year, it's going to be all about the pitching. I mean, they have perhaps the best pitcher in the nation in Montana Fouts. Uh, she's a senior this year. They also have a very capable number two pitcher in Leslie Kilfoyle. The bad news for Alabama is they lost eight players to graduation. And of course, that group included Lafayette native Bailey Hemphill, who was an All-American. Then there's KB Sides, Maddie Morgan, Alexis Mack, Sarah Carnell, Claire Jenkins, Crystal Goodman, Taylor Clark, and Elissa Brown. I mean, that's a lot of players they lost. And yeah. most of those players contributed in a big way to Alabama's success last year. So it will be interesting to see if Alabama rebuilds or they just reload kind of like the Crimson Tide football team does. Uh, Terrell, your thoughts on the Cajuns' chances against Alabama, two games in Lafayette? All of the talk that I'm hearing from different parts of the country is that uh, Alabama is picked to being number two in the country behind Oklahoma. Uh, so despite all the losses that they've had, the graduation they had, number one, you're right, Montana Fouts is going to be the best pitcher in the country. I don't think there's much question about that. Um, losing Bailey is big, but they brought in a catcher, transfer from Tennessee, and Allie Shipman. Uh, she doesn't have the same power that Bailey did, but she can hit the long ball, and she's an excellent defensive catcher. Um, you still have Kaylee Tao in the mix. She can take care of the offense for the power. Uh, and you have a transfer from Ohio State by the name of Ashley Crange. Uh, she had some stats up there. I'm going to be interested in seeing what she brings to the table, but Alabama is, is just the same like, yeah, just like Nick Stevie does. They don't rebuild, they reload. So, Whoever was number two last year behind these graduates, they're going to step up and they they will still be just as strong as ever. Yeah, I'm just very happy they are going to be in Lafayette. It's, I mean, when was the last time they were here? I'm, I'm just trying to re to recall. Uh, was it? I think it was Bailey's sophomore year, so that'd be three years ago. Yeah, three years ago. Okay, three, three four years ago. Okay, let's continue on. We have Texas left as the last Power 5 team who is coming to Lafayette, and Texas will be in town for a doubleheader on Wednesday, March the 16th. The Cajuns will be in Austin two weeks later on March the 30th for a one-game matchup, so they'll be playing three games in total against each other. Last year, Texas went 43-14 and overall in 12-6 in conference play. Uh, Texas lost in the Super Regionals to Oklahoma State. 
Uh, last year, the Cajuns and the Longhorns split a double header. Now, you know, Terrell, I got to tell you, I'll be the first one to say it. I just have not bought on or jumped on the Mike White bandwagon. I mean, I realize he's a good coach. He was at Oregon. You know, uh, as you probably know, Texas has one of the largest, if not the largest athletic budgets in the nation. They throw around a lot of money hiring who they think are the coaches best suited to win a national championship. They've done it in football and they haven't won a national championship in a very long time. And uh, so far, Mike White, uh, you know, he just is, uh, I don't know. I think they expected better results in some World Series um, uh, appearances by this time. It has not happened. Uh, he's lost some players, uh, especially one pitcher that quit the team a couple of years ago. I just think because of the name Texas, they get a lot more respect than they deserve. And I also think the issues Texas will have this year probably will be in the circle. I mean, they have Shea O'Leary, who is returning. She went 16-6 and six last year with a 1.82 ERA. But after that, they have Courtney Day, who last year went four and one and finished with a 367 ERA. They have a transfer from North Carolina State coming in named Estelle Check, who finished the year 22-11 with a 3.14 ERA. And they have another pitching transfer coming in from Houston, Logan Halen, who went 4-8 last year with a 3.65 ERA. And then they have an incoming freshman in Sophia Simpson, and Sophia played on the same high school team with Raging Cajun Sam Landry, Barbers Hill High School. You know, in today's softball world, I don't know, having one proven pitcher, it's tough, man, getting through the entire season in the playoffs and, and doing it in a very successful way, unless there's something I'm missing here. Uh, again, Texas is going to be rated up there. Do you think it's deserving? Uh I think to start off, probably yes, because they have they have ability. They, have, they still have talent, but at the beginning of the season, uh, they're they're going to have to be in some slugfests if they want to win ball games. Because you're right, pitching is going to be a weak spot for them. Uh, they still have Janae Jefferson, they still have Mar Mary Icopo, and they still have Lauren Burke. So the offense is, is going to start off well. It's still you know solid with those three plus whatever else they have coming in. But uh, that that pitching is going to be suspect. So I don't think it will take very long before we find out how real is Texas going to be this season. I, I'm a little leery about how strong they're going to be overall this season. So the first player you, you mentioned, she's the leadoff hitter. I think she hit almost 500 last year, didn't she? Oh, yeah. yeah. So kind of like an Aaliyah Andrews at LSU, just a little bit better, uh, perhaps. Faster, more power, and uh, I don't know about the speed, but yeah, de definitely the power and the, and, the, and the hitting ability. All right, so that wraps up the three Power 5 schools that are coming to Lampson Park. Now let's talk about the Louisiana Classics. It's uh, the first set of games that take place uh, this year, and uh, it's the 36th annual Louisiana Classics. The dates are February 11th through February the 13th, and the teams include Tulsa, North Texas, Texas Southern, and UAB. Now, let's go ahead and start with Tulsa. They are out of the American Athletic Conference, and they finished the 2021 season 25-16 overall and 15-8 in conference. So take it away, Terrell. Tell us about Tulsa. Uh, I'm a little concerned about the last couple of years. They haven't recruited well. They have a very young team this year. 
I remember correctly, they only have two seniors and no juniors on the roster. Uh, they're going to have some work to do. How much talent that, that is there, I'm not sure. Uh, the, the program is solid. The program itself is solid, but they have some up and down years. Last couple of years have been a little tough, but they, they normally recruit well. We'll have to wait and see. I don't know if they're on a downward binge right now, uh, but the, the pedigree has been there. I just don't know if it's going to be solid this year. Okay, so let's move on to North Texas Conference USA, 38-12 and 12 overall and 18-2 in conference. A really good conference record last year. Uh, what's the outlook for this year? Uh, they are on an upswing. Uh, Coach is recruiting well. He is building up his program. Uh, they're not quite there yet. They, they lost their pitching staff. Uh, the, the, two, the two top pitchers they had last year, one transferred, the other graduated. They don't have a lot of experience coming in. Uh, they, this is another very young ball club. But again, he, he's recruited pretty well the last couple of seasons. So I, I'm, I'm not going to overlook them, but this is not a team that should be a concern for us or anybody else early part of the season. Texas Southern out of the SWAC, 17-20 overall. They only played 37 games and 13-5 in conference. I'm not sure there's really too much to talk about here. Um, what do the you best, think? The, the best thing you can say about them is that they are the best team from the worst conference in the country. <laughs> okay. That's it. Okay, all right. So let's move on to UAB. You know, it's a team that a lot of people uh, that are Cajuns are familiar with as head coach Joe Guthrie and associate head coach, who happens to be his wife, Courtney uh, Foster, right? They're married, right? Yeah. Okay, cool. They were really nice when they were here, I guess, five years ago for Jerry's first year. Um, last year, they went 31-19 overall and 15-5 in conference. They lost to the Cajuns twice last year up in Birmingham. The first game was really close. It was one to nothing. The Cajuns won that. And then the Cajuns came back and won the second game, eight to two. Uh, I know that there are some uh, players that he has that are, look pretty promising. Uh, he does have a Cajun player in uh, Jolie Rito, right? Correct. And I think he's got uh, some more transfers that came in uh, this year. So if you could elaborate a little bit more on that, I'd appreciate it. He... The, the transfers that he has come in are solid players. They're not outstanding, but he's they. He and Courtney are, are recruiting. Joe and Courtney are recruiting a very solid base of players for their program. They are most decidedly on the upswing. Um, you absolutely cannot overlook them. Their pitching is getting better. Uh, the offense is going to improve steadily. Uh, the fact that we are playing them here should give us the advantage. Um, so uh, if we understand that we're home, we're going to take care of business. We shouldn't have any problems with them. But they are most decidedly on an upswing. And uh, I'm expecting them to, if they don't win the conference, they should be most definitely within the at-large picture. Okay, so uh, that has uh, that's uh, the UAB, and that is the uh, the last of the Louisiana Classic teams, I think. Or did we talk about them all? Yeah, we did. Okay. Yeah, that's all. Four teams, four games. Okay. So uh, next, Nichols comes to Lafayette for a game on Tuesday, February the fourteenth. It's Nichols. I don't think there's really too much to talk about there, unless you think we should do so. Unless Nichols is going to surprise some people, I don't think they will. Nichols is going to be middle of the pack in the Southland again this year. Uh, they're 
they're trying to make some strides. Unfortunately, they don't they don't have the resources right now to break into any any higher than the middle of the pack of the South in the South. Okay, so let's move on to the Mardi Gras Mambo Tournament at the Youngsville Sports Complex. Uh, Complex. We touched on this a little earlier when we were talking about Alabama. Here are the teams who the Cajuns are going to play. Alabama, which we've already talked about, Eastern Illinois, Portland State, Lipscomb, and St. Thomas. Now, you mentioned this is being hosted by Southeastern. The Cajuns are not going to play Southeastern in that tournament. One team that they will play that I am familiar with is Eastern Illinois. That is because the coach is Coach Glasgow's daughter, Tara. Uh, they were here last year. So um, I'm going to let you uh, talk a little bit in depth about Eastern Illinois, Portland State, Lipscomb, and St. Thomas. Wherever you <laughs> want to start, feel free to do so. Well, Eastern Illinois is the first one that we're playing on the Friday. And yet she, she is gradually building her program up. Uh, they, she still has some work to do because again, it's, she's in a conference that is not overly strong. It's not horrible. Uh, so they, Eastern Illinois will get tested in the course of the season. They do not have the personnel just yet uh, to break through for any length of time or any strong opponents, but they're on their way. Uh, she has learned from her father. She's recruiting better, but still has some work to do. Um, Portland State is from the big sky. Um, there's not a whole lot to say about them. Uh, they are one of the three teams uh, that should not cause any problems for anybody in the course of the season this year. Um, and, uh, you know, we'll, we're going to have to wait and see about them. Obviously, we've already spoken about Alabama. Uh, St. Thomas is a Division Three call-up. They, uh, they have been, St. Thomas has been an athletic power, their entire programs, their, their athletic department has been a power in Division Three for a number of years. They're beginning to move up, and this, the softball team is being allowed to move up to Division One now. Uh, they're a transitional team. It's going to be the four or five years before they're able to qualify for anything in NCAA Division One. But they are attempting to get a Division One schedule. Uh, they do not have many returnees from last year's team. They graduated quite a bit, so it'll be interesting to see what they're capable of doing the, during the course of this season but they will be playing a full-blown Summit League schedule this season. Uh, that's the conference they're going to be in uh, as far as Division One is concerned. What about Lipscomb? Lipscomb, uh, they are from the Atlantic Sun. Atlantic Sun has risen strongly the last several years. Lipscomb had an off-season last year. They did not schedule well, did not do well against it, but they have been on the cusp of an at-large bid along with about two or three other teams from the Atlantic Sun uh, the last several seasons. Uh, I didn't see a lot of strength, returning strength on their team. But again, they're a program that has been on the upswing. They've been, they've been recruiting well. They just didn't do well last year. So it, it's going to be difficult to determine what they can do this season. But you can't overlook them for the simple reason that they have been strong in the past and the recent past. So we'll have to wait. 
All right. So obviously, you know, playing Alabama is really going to help the Cajuns RPI. But what about playing Eastern Illinois, Portland State, Lipscomb and St. Thomas? Portland State hurts. Uh, they are not a strong program. They are one of the three teams on the Cajun schedule that will do harm because they not only are bad teams, uh, they don't schedule well. Their conference is poor, they don't schedule well, and they don't have a good record. So Portland State will hurt. St. Thomas will not do anything. They're a transitional team. They do not give any RPI points this season. Eastern Illinois should be okay. Uh, they had a winning record last season. They should be getting better. Their RPI was poor because of their conference more than anything else. I think they're scheduling a little better this year, but uh, their overall strength will not be that much. Lipscomb, if, if things go back to normal with them, they should be helpful again. This is a team that only played 36 games last season, so the, they didn't play a lot. Uh, and, of course, they had to do with COVID. Now, this year they should be back in full swing, but they haven't released their schedule yet. So I don't know who they're scheduling. But they should, if they get back to their strength, their formal strength, they should be helpful for the RPI. Should okay. be. I know some people were concerned about that, so I thought I'd ask you that question, and thanks for answering it. So let's move on here. The Cajuns will travel up north to take on St. Louis University, Illinois, and Indiana. You know, of course, Coach Glasgow is from Crab Orchard, Illinois. I can just picture that town. It looks kind of like Mayberry RFD. I mean, Crab Orchard. What a great name for a small town in Illinois. So, of course, he has connections up there. Uh, what do you know about these three teams? St. Louis is, um, they're, in, they're in a mediocre conference. Uh, it's not overly strong. It's top heavy, but they are normally middle bottom half of their conference. They have not, it doesn't look like they have invested too much uh, in, in their softball program. So they haven't done much to make it better. So they've got some work to do. It's not that they're horrible. It's just that they, they should not be a threat to us, especially at that point of the season. By that time, we will have as, enough games under our belt where they should not be an issue. Uh, the next one's coming up after that, Illinois and Indiana. Uh, Illinois is an old friend because of Tyra Perry. <laughs> we remember her from her LSU playing days and her West Kentucky coaching days. Uh, she's been at Illinois for a while. She's been on the cusp of making a national breakthrough. She just hasn't gotten to the same level as Minnesota or Wisconsin or Northwestern, but she's on the cusp. Uh, so they will be helpful. They will be helpful RPI-wise. They will be helpful playing-wise. They have good players. They normally do. Uh, so I'm looking forward to us playing them. Uh, the key with them is the fact that they're in the Big Ten. There's five good programs in the Big Ten. Illinois is actually playing three of them in conference this season. So that's going to be helpful for us. Now, Indiana, not so much. Um, middle to bottom half of the conference. They have not improved. They've not gotten better. Uh, they're good enough to where they're not going to be horrible. Uh, they did have a winning record last season, uh, and they may have it again because their conference schedule 
is not all that strong. They're not playing any of the top teams in the conference. So they may be able to win fairly well. They may have a winning record again. Uh, so from that aspect, the RPI will be helpful, but the, the out of conference, the other opponents conference uh, opponents, not going to be that helpful for us with them. All right. Well, that's some really, really, really good information. I do appreciate it. Uh, we're about to wrap up shortly. Uh, the Cajuns will play McNeese again twice uh, in 2022, as they do almost every year. Uh, the Cajuns will travel uh, to Lake Charles on April the 6th and about a month before that on March the 9th, McNeese is coming here. Last year, McNeese finished 35 and 26 and they won 18-9 in conference. Three transfers have joined the team for the 2022 season. The first one uh, everyone is familiar with. She's a former Cajun. Her name is Kendall Talley. I mean, a really, really good player for the Cajuns. You know, I think she had already graduated. And, um, uh, you know, there's only room for so many uh, scholarships or whatever on the team. I don't know really how that all worked out. Uh, but to be honest, having Kendall on the team will make them much better with just that one player. They also have infielder. Uh, Josie Willingham, she transfers in from a Power 5 school in Tennessee. And pitcher Olivia Johnson is transferring in from Memphis. Uh, last year, the Cajuns beat the Cowboys twice, but both games were very close. They won the first game 5-4, to four, and then they won 8-7 to seven in eight innings. This is Coach James Landrenew's sixth year as the head coach. Uh, he's been with the program, I think, for about 10 years and Shelly Landry, who played for the Cajuns from 2013 to 2016, has been the assistant coach there for three years. Are they improved this year, Terrell? They are. Uh, th this is another one of those types of programs where they have a solid program. Uh, they're not obviously not on the same level as the LSU's and Alabama's, but they don't ever fall far from the tree. Um, and it's always good for us to play McNeese for a couple of reasons. Number one, they're normally good. They normally have good teams, good players. They pitch well, uh, normally play pretty good defense. Uh, they schedule well. They are not afraid to play anyone. And they go out and they play them. So their schedule is strong. They will sometimes knock off some good ball clubs. Uh, so because we're aware of that, we have to be leery that we don't you know we don't run into any difficulties with them uh so i always look forward to playing them uh and the third thing about them is the fact that they always finish towards the top of the southland conference so they always have a winning record they always play good opponents uh and they always test us they always make us work so it's good to play them glad to have them on the schedule looking forward to seeing them yeah, it's always a fun game. I usually make the trip to Lake Charles. I think the last, maybe not last year, but the year before, they actually had boiled crawfish at the game that you could buy. That was pretty cool. But, you know, you're right. They do schedule uh, very difficult teams, and they almost knocked a couple of them off last year. Uh, they had some really close games against some Power 5 teams. They may not have ended up winning them, but they were close. And uh, if you remember a couple of years ago when the Cajuns lost to McNeese, Corey McCorey uh, hit a home run. Mm -hmm. uh, and beat the Cajuns at Lampson Park. Yeah. And uh, Corey is now a graduate assistant uh, on the team. So she's one of the coaches helping out the Cowboys. So uh, let me just wrap things up by saying the Cajuns will play at home and away games with Louisiana Tech. They will play a single game against Southeastern in Hammond. 
They will also play a doubleheader against Stephen F. Austin in Nacogdoches, Texas, and a single game at home against Texas Corpus Christi. Uh, you see any of these teams giving the Cajuns much of a problem? Stephen F. Austin is uh, very much on the upswing. They have been the Southland Conference champions for the last four seasons. Uh, they have been up at the top of it. They're they're beginning to schedule a little better, so their strength overall is getting better. I'm glad to be playing them. I don't think their program is quite as strong as it, as McNeese's uh, because McNeese has been doing it for longer. But Stephen F. Austin is, is a program that's definitely on the upswing, so it's good to have them on the schedule and, and playing them. Um, the rest of the teams that are on there are really are not a concern. Corpus Christi uh, is another one of those teams that uh, is an RPI killer. Uh, they don't have any strength. They don't have a good program. Uh, they're a filler. That's fine. Um, Southeastern, good play them because we seem to have a good relationship with them. Uh, so the fact that we're helping them out playing in the tournament that they're hosting in our backyard <laughs> and then going to their place to play them at their place, that, yeah. that seems to be what we're doing for them to help them establish and build their program up. Uh, and they've been getting better. So it's good for us to be playing them as well. Yeah, I, I thought that was kind of strange too. We're playing in their tournament and not playing them in Lafayette, but we are going there to play them. So whatever that means. So listen, that's going to wrap it up for the non-conference games in uh, 2022. Terrell, I really appreciate you spending some time on my podcast. You're a wealth of information and uh, you really add to what I'm doing. Uh, I really appreciate you helping me out. Glad to be of service. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Now, listen, keep an eye out for part two of the schedule as me and Terrell will be going over the Sunbelt Conference games. Uh, that'll be coming up in a few days as soon as we can get to it. So this is the Roar Man saying thanks for tuning in. Please subscribe. Be sure to tell a friend. See you at the ballpark and go Cajuns.